0: Welcome to Ed Leader, with your host, Dr. Rob Jackson. Join Dr. Jackson for conversations and reflections on improving educational leadership from the classroom to the boardroom and beyond. Educational leadership is an ever-evolving opportunity to make a real and lasting difference in the lives of students, parents, and the community. Now, here's your host, Dr. Rob Jackson.
1: Hi, friends. Welcome to the 21st episode of Ed Leader. I'm your host, Rob Jackson, and I want to thank you for spending time with me today. This is a time of great unrest in our country. The fear and worry caused by the COVID-19 pandemic and the ongoing protest against racism and the excessive use of police force have our children scared and confused as chaos swirls around them. For our students, there is a shelter from the storm, our teachers and educators who shine a light of hope, of strength, of safety, and of belief. Today's episode is dedicated to our teachers, the shelters from the storm. Let's get to it. My guest today was called to be an educator and community builder. She's a proud graduate of North Carolina's public schools. She earned a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science and Speech Communications, as well as a Master of Arts in Communication Studies from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. She's held teaching positions at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, Rutgers University, New York University, and Central Piedmont Community College. In 2003, she began her career in Rutherford County Schools as a high school English teacher at RS Central High School. She was named the Western Region Teacher of the Year. Outside of school, she's a wife, a mother of twins, and a member of several civic and community groups across the state that support education, women, children, and communities. She thrives on motivating students to find their own voices and roles as citizens of this world as well as inspiring fellow teachers to grow their skills by expanding their classrooms into the global community. Ultimately, she believes each of us shares a role in supporting and nurturing all students and thus shaping our collective future. I'm so very pleased to introduce to you an amazing voice for teachers, an amazing advocate for children, my friend, Regional Teacher of the Year, Mrs. Julie Pittman.
0: Welcome, Julie. Hi. Good morning, Rob.
1: I am so glad that you are spending time with me and with all the Ed leaders who have gathered in this community to really learn from each other. I appreciate about you the way that you are using your voice to advocate for your students, to advocate for other teachers. Talk to me about this journey that you've been on as you've grown beyond and through the classroom to really having this opportunity to speak up for teachers. What has that change been like for you?
0: Well, thank you um, for the opportunity to be here with you this morning and, and discuss this. I think I just feel really blessed to have been able to find the classroom and then navigate through the classroom into this larger space of education. I have been a high school teacher in Rutherford County in Western North Carolina for the last 17 years in the same school at RS Central High School teaching English. And in 2018 was named the District Teacher of the Year and then the Western North Carolina Teacher of Congratulations. the Congratulations. Thank you. It's a great honor uh, to be able to represent teachers in the western part of the state, but also just a great honor to be given lots of opportunities to expand my knowledge of education, my knowledge of schools in North Carolina, and really what the needs and opportunities are for students across the state. Throughout that year, I was able to work with my good friend and colleague and North Carolina State Teacher of the Year, Freebird McKinney, to really dive deep into what some of the critical needs are in North Carolina, but Absolutely. also what some of the bright spots are across the state. Right. I, this year, am an educator on loan from Rutherford County Schools to an organization called Share Our Strength, working on their No Kid Hungry campaign to really reduce the breakfast gap in North Carolina. And that opportunity has also allowed me the insight into what schools are doing creatively to help meet the needs of all of their kids, beginning at the start of the school day by offering them a healthy breakfast.
1: I tell you, what's really cool to me, perhaps, is that it seems like you've had this opportunity because people have been drawn to your story in a powerful way. I've been blessed to hear you speak a number of times, and as you've spoken, You've begun to tell your story about your childhood. And in your presentation, you show a picture of yourself, I believe, maybe in elementary school.
0: Mm -hmm. Five years old.
1: Five years old. And you ask the, the folks who are there, the audience, about that picture in terms of what they see, what their perception is of that picture, then you begin to speak from there. What is it that you're sharing as you're sharing that picture?
0: Right. I think as teachers and as as human beings, we have this perception of what people are and who they are and what their story is without really digging in just based on first sight. Right. And sort of what those perceptions are can guide how we how we treat people. So I I show this picture of myself when I was five years old in the first grade and I feel like I look like a pretty typical five-year-old kid. It was my first grade class picture, and I remember telling the story about how I was excited to be able to wear this brown corduroy jumper in the picture because it was my favorite dress, and I had to wear school uniforms in the first grade, and I really wanted to be able to wear this dress because it was my favorite dress. And if you look at the picture, I've got combed blonde hair. You can tell that the tooth fairy's been to visit me a couple of times recently. (laughs) I've got a pretty sweet little smile. But I think about what it was like for me during that school year and how my teacher really didn't know some of the things that were going on at home in my personal life and the life of my family. And she judged me based off of my work ethic in class. And I talk about how I got in trouble for daydreaming a lot in class. And my teacher would say, Julie, if you don't get your act together, you're going to be that kid, that kid who fails the first grade. And just to be labeled as that kid in the first grade really stuck with me for a long time. And it really wasn't until my mom and my sister and I moved to North Carolina from Maryland where that picture was taken. And I got into a classroom with Miss Vicki Temple her name is now Miss Vicki Temple Rains. She just retired after 44 and a half years of teaching and um, and being an administrator in North Carolina Public Schools.
1: Congratulations, Miss Temple Raines. I love when we shout out Ed Leaders, whose yeah. shoulders we stand upon. <laughs>
0: She's great. And um, it wasn't really until I got into her class in the first grade and she dug in on what my story was and found out some of the things that I was having to deal with that she realized that I was not able to learn and progress as a first grader because I was dealing with a lot of things that most first graders shouldn't have to deal with. And when she attended to my basic needs in class and let me know that I was loved and that she believed in me and she believed in my mom and my sister and what we were going through, that I really began to flourish and to shine. And I think for the first time in my very short at that time, educational life, I I realized that teachers can have a really powerful role in a child's life. And I wanted to be that kind of teacher for my students.
1: Absolutely. And I tell you, Julie, sitting in the room while you're sharing that picture and beginning to tell your story, it really hit me. It hit me pretty hard because I looked at the picture, as most people would, Mm -hmm. and caught myself with certain expectations, Uh, young student who appears to be um, well-dressed in the moment, who appears to be cared for, we just make a lot of assumptions. And absent really getting to know students and absent building the relationship that you're talking about your second teacher actually doing, we can miss a lot of things there. And so I do think it comes back to building that relationship and getting to know our students and spending that time and then clearly made a big difference in your life. How has that impacted you as a teacher? Because you had both of those experiences. Maybe, I'm sure each experience impacted you as a teacher, Mm -hmm. but how has that impacted you?
0: I believe in my classroom that relationships are the foundation of everything that a child experiences. And if my students know that I'm really interested in them, in their story, in their dreams and goals and aspirations, if they believe that I will take them further than where those dreams and goals and aspirations are, that they'll really begin to see themselves as valuable in the classroom and valuable beyond the classroom. And I think that every teacher wants what's best for his or her students. And every teacher has an opportunity to make an impact on each of those kids absolutely, and really be that kind of teacher for those kids.
1: Doesn't it just kill you when we hear words and people using words like those kids or that mm-hmm. kid? And you talked about your first teacher lab- labeling you even as a first grader as that kid and mm-hmm. you don't want to be that kid or those kids when the truth is they're all our children. And as a society, we need each of them to be as successful as possible. I mean, that's what we're called to do.
0: hmm I think it's um, it's about reclaiming what that means to be that kid, and reclaiming what that means to be that teacher. And it's really about perception. Um, I talk a lot about how there are there are negative things that are being said about public education, about right. teachers, about students, about experiences in the educational field. But then there are a lot of amazing things that are happening too. And it really is about shifting perspective. That's right. And reclaiming what that narrative is. So we can look at the deficiencies. Right. Or we can look at the positive things. Absolutely. And when you're able to have that lighthouse approach to what's happening in education, when you have that lighthouse approach to what's happening in your classrooms, you have that lighthouse approach about what's happening for students then you are going to be that kind of teacher exactly. who's going to make some really impressive and successful roads for your students.
1: Julie, as you mentioned that that metaphor, of the lighthouse, that really hits me, particularly in the context of a high school. Mm-hmm. I spent most of my career as a high school administrator. And so high school can be a big, scary place for students in terms of if they don't feel like they fit in here or if they don't fit in in there, they need a lighthouse. They need Mm -hmm. a place of safety. And I know about you and your story that there was a student and then a group of students who were looking for a lighthouse and you became that lighthouse. And I don't know that you expected to become that lighthouse, but tell us about your uh, experience with becoming a lighthouse for a group of students.
0: A few years ago in my homeroom class, I had a couple of students who were not only new to our district, but they were new to our country. Wow. And they did not speak English. Okay. Hardly any word at all other okay. than hello and yes. <laughs> and one of their cousins, who was native of Rutherford County, talked to them and said, "Miss Pittman will be someone who you can can get help from. And so every day, if they had a question, they would show up at my door and over the course of a few weeks they brought some friends (laughs) and so instead of just two i had three and then i had another cousin and then i had a little brother and then i had another friend and then a sister and pretty soon i had this whole small group of kids who were hanging out in my home room who were all in this same similarly same position where they were new to the district new to the country and really new to what we were helping them experience in education and i realized that over the course of that year when they had trouble in a class they came to me so if they had trouble in a math class they should have been my english class if they had trouble in a science class they were miss Pittman's <laughs> english class and and for that, that may sound funny to my friends because a lot of my friends know that i don't do math <laughs> Very well at all. And um, and so I found myself either trying to help them with their work or trying to find another student who was a peer who could help them with their work or negotiating some, some accommodations for them with their students and working with their ESL teacher to try to adjust schedules. Because We only had an ESL teacher in the school just a, a day or two a week. And, right. But these kids were there every day.
1: Every
0: day. And they showed up every day. <laughs> And, and, and it was a struggle for them. And so I lobbied to have this growing group of kids who were all in the ESL program at some level in one class period and one English class where we taught five different levels of English. If you're a high school teacher, you're probably thinking there's not really five different <laughs> levels of English, but we had a foundations English class for a couple of kids who were not ready to take English one. Right. And then English one, two, three, and four are all in one class period. Wow. And every day these kids showed up and and every day they wanted to learn and every day they wanted to have this community of safety. So we had this sheltered instruction classroom for English, and then they would go into the mainstream classes for the rest of the day. It was probably one of my top five experiences in education to just sit in the presence of these students who probably, and I would guarantee you taught me more than I have right. taught them. I gave them a space to feel safe and a space to learn and gave them some opportunities to feel like they were part of a larger community We partnered with the the local town council and the mayor and our our town manager and developed some experiences for them to understand who they were as citizens in our community. Right. But also how we as our community could learn from them. And then you should see the pride that they had walking through the hallway. They they walked a little taller. They they talked a lot more. They taught me Spanish. And I taught them English, and together we just taught each other what it means to be loved in a classroom.
1: That's so powerful, Julie. And really, I'm sure many teachers, most teachers, maybe all teachers, all great teachers anyway, have had a similar experience, maybe not as in-your-face as students literally Nobody. piling into the classroom, <laughs> but becoming that shelter in the storm for our kids, those who can't speak English or The little girl who looks well put together but has lots of other things that she's working through, Mm -hmm. being able to establish a relationship and showing a child, regardless of their age, whether they're in first grade or 11th grade, that this is a safe place, that we're going to do everything we can for you. Julie, speaking of everything we can for our students, one of your passions is ensuring that our children are fed and ready for the day. Where does that come from? Talk to me about the importance of that in your life and in your career and why you're advocating for that.
0: Sure. Um, I think in, in my community, there is a large need for people, not just students, to have some security in where their next meal is going to come from. Right. My husband and I have been great advocates for the backpack program for many years. In fact, I have twin 10-year-old daughters. And for their second birthday party, instead of asking for presents, we asked people to bring food to to stack the backpack room in a local elementary school and really wanted to make sure that I mean, our, my children don't want for much, if anything, but there are so many children who do. And so using that opportunity to allow their friends and our friends to, to really be a part of a passion that of our families was important to us. We continue to support that program. But a few years ago, I had, um, I had a pretty challenging fourth period class, and it took me a while to really understand why it was so challenging. And it was one day when I was walking around the classroom and I noticed one of my students' backpack was open beside his desk and in it was some food that obviously he had taken as leftovers from the cafeteria at lunch. And I don't know, was going to eat it on the bus ride home or was going to take it home or or I don't know what he was going to do with it, but it was evident that it was there and it was it was more than than the normal toss a banana in your backpack after lunch. And I knew how far away he lived from the school. I knew he rode the bus. I knew that times were tough in his home. And I knew those things because I I make sure that I know those things about my students, as, as most teachers do. And it broke my heart to see that he was not the only one. And over the course of the next few days, I noticed that he, that was a, a pretty indicative factor for him and right. not only for him but for other students in the classroom that they were taking food home. And I teach high school and so sometimes the backpack program is a stigma for students in high school. And I I wanted I wanted to make sure that my students were not wanting for food when they went home because Monday mornings can be tough if it's a long weekend.
1: Absolutely.
0: And knowing that a lot of students in our state don't eat after lunch until they get back to school the next day, that school for them is a place where they get fed. And that's, that's the reason why they come to school. So a few years ago, my school or well, my district qualified for the community eligibility provision, which allows for us to be able to offer... Uh, food at no cost for breakfast and lunch and sometimes after school meals, which is on wonderful cases uh, to all students, regardless of their socioeconomic background. It's really important to understand how you qualify for, for the CEP, that those are for students who are identified as homeless, migrant or receiving some kind of government assistance like SNAP. So when our school was able to qualify for the community eligibility provision and offer meals at no cost to our students, I was able to see that students were a little bit more attentive in class. All students were, and that our discipline records went down. Our student success went up. In Rutherford County schools, we are meeting, exceeding, or outpacing the state level of, of benchmarks for everything that the state looks at for student success and school success across the board from pre-k through high school and I couldn't be more proud of my district and what they're doing to make sure that they're meeting the needs of all of our kids.
1: You know in some ways it's been interesting as the as educators we continue to have this conversation about the importance of ensuring our children are well fed that we're going backwards to understand something that we've known all along which Maslow many years ago put in his hierarchy of needs which is Mm -hmm. to say our kids need to feel safe and secure they need to be well fed they need to have shelter before we ever get anywhere close to self-actualization or ready to learn and it seems like we just missed that for so many years we're starting to wake up to that a little bit.
0: I think so I think we've for a long time really been focused on student success test scores school accountability teacher effectiveness those are all things we have to be focused on, but we can't focus on those things, what, what it means for student outcomes, if we're not looking at what we're doing at the base level. If we're not putting into our students what Absolutely. we want to get out of them, we're missing the mark altogether. We'll never move up that Maslow's hierarchy if we're not looking at safety and, and food and security for our students. When we look at self-actualization for a student, and that's all we're focused on, that's like trying to put a roof on a house that has no foundation and it will fall every time.
1: (laughs) Every time, every time. You've got mail. Just when everything is going perfectly, someone makes a choice that lands squarely on your desk. What will you do and how will you handle it? It's time to check the inbox. Julie, there's the bell, especially for you. You've walked into a room, a PLC, a professional learning community of teachers, and they're beginning to have a conversation. You're there to share with them some piece of information, but you recognize very clearly that the room feels a little stilted, that there seems to be some negativity in the room. You talked earlier about being a lighthouse. So walking into that room where you're hearing a lot of negativity from teachers, what do you do?
0: Okay, so I think that it's important as teachers, especially when there's a little bit of negativity, to, to think back to what it means to have a teacher who believes in you. Absolutely. To what it means to be a student sitting in a classroom where you might feel a little vulnerable. So I'd want to ask those teachers to think back to a time in their life when they were a student in a moment of vulnerability, and what either they had a teacher who pulled them out of that or what they wished a teacher would have done to pull them out of that moment. So I'd like to model that. Absolutely. When I was in the seventh grade, I had a teacher, a social studies teacher, Miss Linda Stevens, she also just, um, she's been in education for 50 years my in North goodness. Carolina. My goodness. Um, some people in the uh, eastern part of the state might know her if they've been through any kind of principal prep program at, at East Carolina University. Miss Stevens was my seventh grade history teacher, and she made history come alive for students. And I, I can remember just at the State of the Union address that year, she demonstrated what it would be like to be the the president walking into the house chamber and and she played the music and we all had to stand up and clap for her and she gave her state of the (laughs) union address in our, our social studies class. But we had that year this project where we had to explore different countries and she stood at the door and passed out these note cards that each of them had a different country on it. My country that I got was China and I didn't even like Chinese food at the time, so it was really daunting for me to do this poster project. But my mom was a third-grade teacher at the time, so we knew how to do posters at right. least. So I put together this poster and something that I would feel really confident about. And then she she threw us a curveball, and she told us we were going to have to stand up in front of the classroom. Okay. As a seventh-grade student, super shy, really had a hard time believing in myself that was devastating for me, and I felt at my most vulnerable. Miss Stevens allowed me to stand up and read my notes off the back of that poster, something that was, you know, a modification for right. me. And at the end of my presentation, she looked at me and she said, What was the best thing that you learned? The thing that just really hit you hard. And I talked about how the Great Wall of China was. Probably the most interesting thing that I've learned about. And I looked at her and I said, Miss Stevens, did you know that you can see the Great Wall of China from space? And she said, I'm a history teacher, Julie. Of course I know that. (laughs) But then she looked at me and she said something that really hit me in my heart and stood with me for the rest of my life. She said, Julie, I think you should go to China one day. And I think you should walk on that Great Wall. And I looked at her and I said, Miss Stevens, that is never going to happen because I was super shy. Right. I was totally comfortable living in Smithfield, North Carolina for the rest of my life. My family did not travel any further than Atlantic Beach and and we just that just wasn't what I was going to do. But a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity, my district gave me the the opportunity to go to China with 36 other educators from across North Carolina. And on our first day in China, I stood on the top of the Great Wall and thought about Miss Stevens. Absolutely. And how she had forecasted for a little vulnerable seventh grade girl who never thought she would travel outside of North Carolina that she would stand on top of the Great Wall of China.
1: She spoke it into your life.
0: She spoke it into my life, and then she spoke it into the lives of my children because I realized at that moment, as these teachers should in this professional development community, that we can be this lighthouse for our students. And that if we're vulnerable and show our vulnerability with our students and we're able to show them what we can overcome and what they can overcome and we believe in their vulnerability and the power of changing the perception of vulnerability for yourself, that then we can help our students become lighthouses in their own lives. That They can really become their own guide and their own forecast for their own future. And so I'd ask these teachers to think about who is their lighthouse? Who is their Miss Stevens? Where is their great wall? And how can they bring that home for their students?
1: Powerful, powerful. Well, Julie, this has been absolutely amazing. I very much appreciate your time and I appreciate your voice in our state and beyond as you speak up for each of our children. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much.
1: I hope that you enjoyed our conversation with Ms. Julie Pittman. Her call for each of us to build authentic relationships with students, knowing that in the classroom relationships are the foundation of everything a child experiences absolutely resonated with me. As we begin to prepare for our students to return in the fall in some fashion, let's focus on giving our students a space to feel safe, a space to learn, and a shelter from the storm. Thank you for spending time with me today, and thank you for all that you do for every student, every teacher, and every staff member. You are making a difference. If no one else has told you, I want you to know that I believe in you. Good day. Thank you for listening to the Ad Leader Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast and consider leaving a review with five stars on Apple Podcasts so that we may continue to grow the Ed Leader community. We hope that you have enjoyed your time with Dr. Jackson. Until next time.